This is the business of sports. Let's talk Super Bowl and Fox Sports. Every single thing that occurs, I want people to remember this is a business. Guaranteed money isn't necessarily guaranteed. Michael Barr. How high can these valuations go? Scott Soshnank. Duke. Everybody loves rooting against him, right? Evan Novi Williams. Off the field, the NBA has never been buzzier. And the leaders in the sports industry. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. Mike Oresco, he's the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. Jared Smith, president of Ticketmaster. Mindy race car driver, Elio Castroneves. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Scott Soshman. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And today, we begin with Tom Brady. He is saying sayonara to the New England Patriots. Now, there's talk that he is going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But for the business of sports, all these people that spent all the money for the jerseys, for the Brady jerseys in New England, I feel sorry for you. But good news for Tampa Bay. Wait, you're kidding me, Barr. You're telling me you feel sorry for all those New England number 12 jerseys. You know he was there for like 20 years, right? Six Super Bowls. And you know for the next you know for the next 20 years he'll still be the most popular jersey number worn around Foxborough. And you feel bad for these people? I feel Come bad. Far. This isn't like a guy who joined and then six months later something happened and now he's with another team. He spent two decades in New England. Six Super <laughs> Bowls. He was a top-selling guy forever. Uh, look, I no get it. No reason to feel bad. I get no it. No reason to feel bad. But I... it will be a boon. <laughs> it will be a boon in the retail world because Tom is consistently one of the top sellers, and whether it's jerseys, bobbleheads, you know, all the things that are out there on the NFLPA's sales list, when you go, when a megastar like this goes to a new team, you know all those folks who had, I don't know, what what kind of jersey? Mike Allstott jerseys? Uh, I don't, what do they wear Winston? in Tampa? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, James Winston's. Like, well, what did you wear in Tampa? I'm not sure. Rondé Barber, but whatever it is, it's going to be 12. By the way, has anybody looked up who wears number 12 now? Yeah, I wonder if somebody, whoever has the 12, has got to give it up. Well, wouldn't it be oh, great to have it, it be like if, some second-year person be like, you know, I, I've, I've had this jersey forever. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked here about, you know, the enduring power of the Tom Brady 12 Patriots jersey that that every year it was essentially top of the charts even though what Patriots fan didn't have one already well there's no Buccaneers fan that have have a Tom Brady uh, 12 jersey or shirt right now so again as you said Scott you know that's gonna that money's gonna start pouring in at some point soon um, and it's not just those you know I'm sure you guys saw the, the season ticket line last night uh, on, on on Tuesday night as as fans realized this might be happening you know thousands of people queuing up for season tickets uh, so it's going to affect that it swung betting lines of course you know people still looking for things to bet on uh, NFL futures are still up um, it might even you know as we've seen with LeBron James when he changed teams you know there was a rating shift uh, time slots maybe not as effective when you go from from New England down to Tampa Bay. But, you know, people are going to want to watch Tom Brady in his in his new location as well. So I think you'll see maybe the, 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 the Buccaneers more on primetime television. You might see them flexed in the slots. I think this is going to have pretty wide-ranging implications for the NFL. And you know who the big winner is, by the way? Any company Giselle? that signed on as a Buccaneers <laughs> sponsor before knowing this was happening because you mm. know the price of that sponsorship. If you're calling now and you're a local whatever or even a national and you want to affiliate yourselves with the Buccaneers, you know the price just went up. By the way, i got to jump in right quick. Chris Godwin wears number 12 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. I don't know who that is. Do you know uh, who that is, Bar? No. 
Okay. <laughs> he's the, I, think, I think he's the fast guy, right? He's like the Olympic sprinter. Yeah, I think you're right. But uh, the only, well, the only get, thing that's going to happen faster than his running is his saying, yes, I agree to change that number. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Moving right along. This, I have to tell you, is like I, I'm just getting wind of this. The NBA credit line, the NBA is getting TV money during the stoppage. But it, what is it? Is it because of credit? What is going on? Well, th- this is just a just-in-case. Uh, the NBA had a credit line of about $650 million with several banks, uh, as they have for years. And occasionally they do raise that credit limit. Now, however, because of all the uncertainty, and, and by the way, borrowing is pretty cheap, but because of all that uncertainty, they're raising their credit line to $1.2 billion. And what this says to me, Barr, is, they just don't know what's going to happen. Um, from what we understand, J.B. Lockhart, who's the CFO over at the league, he is modeling several different scenarios. One is the absolute cancellation of the season, and it just doesn't happen. One is a resumption of the season, and they have to play before no fans. And the other is we play the playoffs with fans. So that would kind of be a best-case scenario. And he's going to deliver those financial projections to the owners uh, because right now you just don't know. There's just too much uncertainty, and in a time like that, even though you have some of the richest people in the world uh, as your owners, like Steve Ballmer, uh, still, these guys want to be prepared as a collective, so that's why they took this action. Yeah, I think this gives you a good sense of how seriously the NBA is taking this, and and kind of behind closed doors, all the options that you just laid out, Scott, that, that are on the table. You know, when they made this announcement to suspend their season, it was originally, you know, the plan was 30 days. Seems pretty clear, you know, given what's happening right now, that that is going to be a longer period of time. Um, and expanding this credit line allows the NBA a little more wiggle room uh, to make that happen. Uh, we should also discuss, you know, media rights. You know, Scott, you wrote a story earlier earlier this week. You know, there was maybe some 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 uncertainty about when NBA games are not happening, whether their their monster, you know, multi billion dollar TV rights, whether those payments happen. And it sounds like uh, they are going to happen at least for now, right? So there's also some money that the NBA gets in that regard, in that they're getting paid their TV contracts. That's that's essentially loss ratings they have to make up in the future but these are long-term deals and they have a chance to make those up years down the line so there's also some kind of financial restitution coming in, in that regard now evan you you know uh, as well as anybody that the salary cap is simply a, a reflection of revenue i mean the, the team mm-hmm. spending limits are derived from how much money is brought in man you're putting all of this by the way on top of the previous 400 million dollar hit out of China, when those games were not shown, um, you would think that Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts, whenever this gets going again, may have to negotiate something special for next season, or else there could be a pretty precipitous drop in revenue, thereby the salary cap, and GMs just won't know what to do with their rosters. They just won't have the numbers that they thought they would have nowhere close. Uh, That could really hit the players in, in the wallets. Gentlemen, two questions for you, and and I have to ask, can they extend the NBA, when I say extend it, in terms of just pick it up from where it was and play the remainder of the games, but the games may go into like August or September? They can. Theoretically, they can. That's one of the things being considered. Yeah, you'd probably look at July, August now. You'd obviously like to avoid having to compete against the NFL. 
But uh, Mark Cuban has said it. If we have to play uh, out into the summer, then that's what they'll do. Yeah, I think that's the big thing what Scott just said. There's not a hard stop in September. If you're the NBA, you do not want your playoffs happening amid the NFL season kicking off. And my guess would be that if, if the timeline gets crunched that much, that they would probably suspend regular season games to try to get their playoffs in before September. Um, and one other one, Scott, because you mentioned salary cap implications for players. Um, we talked on this podcast last week and this week about you know the clause in the NBA CBA that essentially says if players are not playing games, they don't have to be paid. The NBA, MBPA, so the Players Association, has told players it does not think that the NBA, even if games get canceled, is going to activate that clause. Is that kind of stunting? Is that is that kind of part of the, the, the union versus league kind of back and forth? Do you think that in the, in the event that games get canceled, the NBA would choose not to activate that clause and would instead choose to pay players for the full 82-game season, even if it doesn't happen? Boy, like in anything else, Eben, when we deal with the disparate groups here, I think you'll have some owners who say, let's take care of them. This is long-term mm. play. Uh, then you'll have some owners who perhaps are a bit more miserly who may say, no, no games. We don't have to pay them. I'm not going to pay them. You're certainly not going to force everybody to, do the, to act in concert on this. Uh, if, if some do and some don't, <laughs> then you, something tells me that these players will have long memories as to which owners did and which <laughs> owners did not. Speaking of games being canceled or the drumbeat of the game should be canceled, it continues now that the uh, Tokyo Olympics, it is still on as planned uh, for the summer games, but more people are saying, look, this is irresponsible. You, you've got to cancel the games or at least postpone it. Uh, President Trump said last week uh, they should postpone it for a year. Yeah, I think we, we saw earlier this week Haley Wickenheiser, who's an IOC member uh, and one of the most prolific Olympic athletes of all time, uh, she was the first IOC member to come out and say, look, this, this might be irresponsible uh, to hold these games. And I think there's kind of an interesting distinction that's that's kind of being drawn right now. A lot of the, the people, the drumbeat to cancel the games from people within the Olympic movement is coming because they understand, and I think a lot of the public doesn't understand yet, they understand how much this is already disrupting things for athletes. There are qualifiers all over the country and all over the globe that have been either outright canceled or have been postponed and you can't hold an Olympic games. if you don't know who has the right to compete in them. And right now, all the way across the globe, there are federations right now who just don't know who has qualified, who hasn't, who should they give slots to. And that is a pretty big hurdle. Even if, even if in Tokyo on the ground, the situation is good enough to host the games this summer. Yeah. I mean, Edmund, we've already had one of those people, the Spanish Olympic committee chief also calling for the games to be postponed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you wonder what's going through the minds, the leadership, Thomas Bach at the IOC, when clearly they see what's happening around the world. They have to know that the qualification processes have been interrupted. They have mm -hmm. to hear people starting to say that it's a difficult chore to get prepared for and yet, like the most recent pronouncements were full steam ahead. Uh, I, I know there's billions at stake. We know the broadcast contracts with NBC are, are gargantuan. We know the sponsorship money is gargantuan. That said, just from a logistical standpoint, are we not at a place 
where the IOC must recognize this is going to be really difficult to pull off. I think we're, yeah, I think we're definitely in that place. And let's not forget that, you know, when we, when we talk about the NBA suspending its season, the NHL suspending its season, they didn't just do that willingly, right? They were kind of dragged kicking and screaming. By the time those decisions got made, there were governors, senators, mayors around the country who were essentially barring or outlawing events of a certain size. So even the cancellations that we've seen here in the U.S. have been precipitated by some kind of government mandate. Evan, what do we do in the nightmare scenario of what Adam Silver faced? The season was canceled shortly after a player tested positive. What do you do with a single athlete in the Olympic Village or on the competition floor, tests positive or does get sick, then what do you do? And that's the argument for canceling it, right? You can't have 11,000 people coming from 200 different countries around the world when if one of them tests positive, you end up having kind of this roiling effect that you you, you probably cannot host the games in the aftermath. Um, so you're right. And again, the the IOC and the, and the local Tokyo host committee have been adamant that these things are happening, that they're not planning for other things. I promise you they are definitely planning for other things at this point. Um, but I think, I think we are seeing the truth maybe before they're ready or willing to announce it, but that the games happening this summer are becoming less and less likely, both from a just an operational standpoint and also probably from a health standpoint. And by the way, I should add, you mentioned about Rudy Gobert, the Utah Jazz player who was ground zero for testing positive for the coronavirus, then another Jazz player, and now four more players from the Brooklyn Nets have tested positive, and that includes star Kevin Durant. So... And this is after the postponement. So you can imagine what's going to happen. Like you said, Evan, if you have 11,000 people together in one area, there's no telling what's going to happen. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soshnick and Evan Novi-Williams. We are here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week. We'll express more sympathy for Patriots fans all over the country. Uh, we'll be speaking with the <laughs> and brightest in the sports business world. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, wherever you get your podcasts.